to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and uh, I'm kind of solo in the show today. I've got a good friend on, or a longtime friend, actually. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. His name is Josh as well. It's Josh Tice. He's in Las Vegas. Josh, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Look, two Joshes on one podcast. Is this even allowed? It's allowed. Uh, Your buddy uh, also was on the show not too long ago. Ermler was on here and had those two Joshes. I don't know that we could do three. Three would probably be too much. So, I love your podcast, man. Sam Rayner's fantastic. Micah Fries is awesome. Um, he did, he made a quote on Twitter the other day that I've had a quote several times and even preached it from my pulpit in Are regards to how, oh yeah, in regards to how politics needs to play out in 2020. I forget exactly the quote, but it was absolutely incredible. Micah's a genius that way. Sam is a great guy as well. And, uh, Josh, before we get into our topic, which I think, I think, well, let me tease it just a little bit here. Josh and I are going to talk about, uh, this whole concept of what I call you and y'all. So there's a you and you're in your tribe, but sometimes you love your tribe. What we call at our church, our extended family. We love our extended family, but there are oftentimes, especially if you're a younger church leader, that you don't necessarily fit in with the culture of the big whole. And so sometimes that creates a little hole, you know, like within your heart or your steam or something like that. So we're going to chat about that in just a minute. So I hope our listeners will, um, you know, keep along with us. But before we do, I just want to tell them about Church Initiative, which is the sponsor for this episode and several of our episodes. Church Initiatives provides a number of fantastic resources, including 13-week video-based support groups. The two that you've probably heard about before are Grief Share and Divorce Care. Both of those are leading people all over the country to Christ by ministering to them in their time of need. We are all, um, all three of our regular hosts, Micah, Sam, and myself, are big fans of divorce care and grief care. We just want to encourage you to check those out at churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. You can find out more information there, or you can find more information in the show notes, which are posted on Sam's website, Sam Rayner. So you can Google that, find all of his many, many websites, and check out that stuff. So make sure you're looking at Church Initiatives. Josh, um, tell tell our audience, you know, the people that are listening, what you do. Who are you? Okay. So I'm a pastor in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, we've been here for 15 years. Uh, we've never been anywhere else primarily because nobody else wants to hire us. So <laughs> this is our, this is our home. I'm born and raised in Vegas. I was born as a uh, pastor's kid, raised in a pastor's home. Um, then, uh, went to college in Florida, came back, my wife and I, we planted a church back in 2004. So we are 15 years in, uh, the church has grown and, um, we're having a great time. Uh, we also are with idea network, which, um, I co-founded with my buddy, Josh Ermler, uh, just uh, a couple years ago, which is a network based in the concept of sharing ideas in online venues, as well as real world venues, uh, methodological, theological, and philosophical ideas for the purpose of um, growing our ministries. And both have been incredibly helpful to me. I have connected with the, particularly the Facebook group, uh, Idea Network there, and just been enriched by it. I've, I've 
promoted it. Every person that I talked to, I'm always like, man, you got to get connected to Idea Network. It is a great place. It's not a bunch of silly memes or just goofiness. It's actual, real, applicable church ideas for leaders and uh, something that I really value. So if you're listening now and as you're listening, as long as you're not driving, go ahead and find uh, Idea Network there on the Facebook and click into that. It's great. I like it. I like it a lot. And uh, I like it too. I like it too. It's <laughs> that college that Josh went to in Florida is where he and I met oh, briefly. I vaguely remember meeting him. I don't know that you, Josh, remember meeting me at all, but we were there I in remember, Florida. What I remember is I remember a Josh with hair, so I, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> that guy was a loser. That's messed up, dude. That's yeah. messed up. Yes. No, man. So, I... A lot of my college days are gone in my memory. I remember meeting Heather mm-hmm. and getting married. And a lot of the classes that we took were fantastic. But but the reality is, um, I don't know what it is about my memory. It's about every five years, I think I reset. Just and I only remember the last five years. Yeah, that's the I just know it as factual. I cannot remember it experientially. I just know that that's where it I happened. met you. But yeah, it happened. <laughs> and uh, he went back home. I went back home. We all became pastors. And... Um, the, the difference is though, and w- which kind of segues into our topic here at the time when I met yeah. Josh, I was a part of a different tribe. I grew up in a different tribe, um, you know, theologically or more pragmatically than theologically. And that's why I was in school in Florida. So later on though, we've reconnected in being in different tribes, but still having a lot of similarities, which is something that we've noted on the show regularly is that. Um, these tribes that used to be so stalwart, so strong, you know, they yeah. were distinct. Yeah. There's a lot of like linking arms between Absolutely. the tribes. And I think that's a good thing. But the question I think we're going to talk about is this. What do you do if you're in an extended family and you love it, you love your people, but you just don't often fit? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Yeah, I think that's natural. Um, I, I think it's like anything else. As you grow up, um, you love your family, you love your mom, you love your dad, you love your cousins. Um, and you look around and these are your people. And then as you grow up, you mature, you get go out of the house and you realize, um, wow, uh, though I grew up in that environment, there are some things that I will never change about myself and, and how they crafted me to become the person I am supposed to be. Um, they will always be my family, yet you begin to realize I have a personal identity. I have a uh, personal understanding of who I am, who God created me to be. And um, I think sometimes you'll see if it was a really unhealthy environment, obviously people can rebel against their family in totality and mm-hmm. maybe curse them from afar. And that can happen. I think that can happen the larger the family or the larger the tribe. I also think it can, it can, uh, it can take place that you remain within that tribe but you begin to distance yourself from every um, maybe uh, aspect of that family. We don't do exactly the same thing in our home that I did growing up. Um, and I think that might be true when it comes to tribes. I think it might be true when it comes to, as, as people have referred to it in the past, denominational constructs. Uh, I think the same is true in my life. I do think, with that being stated, um, that every pastor needs a tribe. Um, I think that's fundamental. Hmm. Uh, but uh, what tribe they find themselves in is, is I think, <laughs> I think uh, uh, almost inconsequential um, as they study the Word of God. They begin to draw closer to God and develop biblical convictions based on what they see the Word of God teach. Absolutely. So, let's talk. Let's take a, a half step back. Why do we so often? And do you think it's? Do you think it's primarily? Are 
Could it be universal? Does everyone come to this stage in which the more serious they get about uh, the tribe and then the local uh, manifestation of your faith and your local church and those sort of things, do you often see conflicts in that? Is that a natural cycle for people as they grow into their own, so to speak? Well, sure. I think so. Um, part of my theological perspective is um, uh, progressive sanctification. That is, the more I walk with Christ, the more he day by day sanctifies me and makes me more and more like himself. Um, if this is true and I'm walking with Christ, change is going to naturally take place. Mm. I'm going to see things in a different way than I've ever seen them before. The more I study the Word of God, I'm going to have biblical goggles, right? The more I spend time with the Spirit of God, as First Corinthians chapter two says, I'm going to have the I'm going to have the Spirit of Christ, um, as Paul encouraged the church. I'm going to have the mind of Christ, and as I do this, there are going to be ideas that I held to at the ages of eighteen and twenty-two. Absolutely, yeah. that I'm simply not going to hold hold to any longer. Right, um, and that I, I, I've heard people say, "Man, what, you've changed. How could you have changed?" And the answer is, our theology has always taught that we will change. We become more and more like Christ, and things that I've held to that I come to the realization are not necessarily biblical. I can jettison those, um, and things that uh, that I that I have held to that I believe are biblical, I'll hold on to those. And what's the main? You know, I've got some theories. I think that one of the reasons that people struggle with this so much is because it's not simply, it's not simply a course, you know. So, if you're driving down the road and you decide that another path is better, you drive on that path. However, this is not simply a course. There, It's deeply rooted in relationships. And yes. so, it's not so easy to jettison relationships as it is easy to, it's, it's almost easier. I think this would be true, right? It's easier to change your mind, to change theologies than it is to change relationships. Relationships tie us to things. Now, of course, our theology is rooted in a relationship with Jesus, but it's easier to tweak that than it is to change those relationships because relationships are, you know, they're deep, they're deep into a part of us. So, I think that's one of the reasons we struggle with this so much. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, I think when it comes to pastors and their desire for a tribe. I think sometimes because relationships can get brutal, right? And if you don't mm-hmm. agree with me and you don't believe what I believe and say exactly the way I say it, then we're done and you're dead to me, right? So, because mm-hmm. that happens, a lot of times we tend to isolate ourselves. Uh, we call ourselves, um, I, I come from uh, the independent Baptist world and we call ourselves independent Um, But some people say, well, I'm independent, independent. What they actually mean by that is I'm an isolationist. I've got to the point where um, it's so hard for me to get along with everyone who's judging my methods, judging my ministry philosophy, judging how I express my theological viewpoints, that I just want to sit in my office and let the snow fall around me, read my books, preach to my people, and just be dead to the rest of the world. And I I think that's a dangerous place to get. I think every pastor, every pastor's wife, every ministry leader needs a tribe. And I think they need a tribe for two reasons. I think we also need friends. And we also need to further the gospel. So, these two reasons, friends and furthering the gospel, have to take place. Um, and and we, I don't think we can do that on our own. Hence, why denominations have been created and why tribes and circles are, um, are a reality of the Christian life. That's so good. You know, something that I really struggled with 
um, when I struggle, not when I did, as I struggle with this, the different seasons that I do struggle with this is there's a deep sense of identity uh, tied to my tribe. And so I think it's similar to maybe, you know, most of our listeners will kind of catch this, but a lot of times on the show, we'll talk about football or baseball or something. Sam's a big baseball guy. I'm football, you know, uh, Michael loves everything. The, um, the, when you identify with a team and you want the, like when it's an unhealthy level. So if your team loses and you get, you get all depressed and mean to people, well, you put too much identity in people. You don't know playing a game you've never played on a field you've never walked on. So that is a problem. And I think that that's one of the struggles I have. I have a struggle with, I love my extended family. And so I'm a Southern Baptist. I know that's not a shocker to our, our fans. I'm a Southern Baptist and I love that, but sometimes there'll be very, uh, very dominant characteristics on Fox news. That's also identifying with my tribe that doesn't make me feel comfortable about that. And so I get embarrassed by my tribe. And so there's identity issues there that ought to be firmly rooted in Christ and what he did and not in whether or not first Baptist, wherever is speaking or acting the same way that I would want them to act. So I think there's an identity thing there as well. I totally agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you, you can see, <laughs> again, if, if your audience is listening and saying independent Baptist, what is that? I was about to say Google it, but then I realized, please, dear God, don't. Do not Google that. <laughs> Do not Google independent Baptist. You don't want that coming up on your search history. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the concept of being embarrassed by your tribe, absolutely. Um, but I think, again, why, why, wh- what is the purpose, Josh? of of not um, becoming an isolationist. What is the purpose of saying, I'm just going to be on my own, I don't need anyone? And the answer is, historically, what people have done, let's take the idea further in the gospel. As uh-huh. an individual pastor, there's certain things I, I believe that I cannot do, no matter how large our church grows, right? There's certain things I can't do. The three things that denominations have historically done. Number one, denominations historically come together or groups of people come together to plant churches nationally. Number two, to send out missionaries internationally. And then number three, to establish institutions of higher learning. So I, in our church, if I, if I see some young guy growing, I can mentor him to become a pastor. But if I want him to get the theological training that our local church can't provide, we together as churches come together and establish an institution of higher learning for the sole purpose of training these guys to become pastors and deeper theologians. Same thing when it comes to sending the missionary to Africa. It's really difficult for our church to do that by ourselves. Maybe the closest thing we can do is plant from one church to another without anybody's help. But even that we wonder, would it be wiser to do that together? Can we Mm -hmm. accomplish more together than by ourselves? And so these ideas, the reason I say that is because I talk to a lot of guys and they're like, I just don't even see the need. You know, I'm just going to be on my own. I don't need anybody. And that's, that works up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But at some point, God is going to give you some guy that's called to Africa, some woman that needs deeper training. What do you do with that? Mm. What does your church do other than send them to somebody else's tribe? And so I think it's important to say, okay, I I have one. I don't agree with everything. Um, But that together we've come together to establish these institutions, international missions and organizations and church planting networks. And so they become kind of a necessary, um, I don't want to say evil, a necessary aspect of uh, the church of God globally. 
Well, they're just they're just relationships. They're relationships on a very large scale and relationships are messy. And just as the two points that you bring out that I completely agree with, we need tribes to have friends and to further the gospel. In both of those situations, if you think about any friend I have, they don't agree with everything I say. They're not exactly the same. I don't agree with everything they do. Uh, one of the Unless, biggest examples, me and Micah. I don't agree with uh, anything that kid says, but I love him. He's my friend, you know? So that's a. Uh, you unless know, you're the kind of friend that demands conformity. And that's the problem. I mean, that's the essence of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're inside of a, a tribe, um, and you know, it's so funny because if you're in one tribe, you're thinking of the other. Or you're thinking of your own saying, yeah, they demand conformity of me. But what I've noticed is in every single circle, there seems to be this demanding of conformity just in different areas. Wow. And and that's what's so frustrating. How can I be an individual, but also an individual that relates to this tribe? I think Mm -hmm. that's what frustrates most young leaders. So what what do we do? I mean, what do you do? How do how do how do we walk through these? these uh, relationships at the same time being individual. Oh, I, I, what I'll tell you what I do. I go to the movies and I buy a bucket of popcorn and I just sit there and try to forget it. That's, <laughs> that's, it. that's it. You don't need that stuff. Well, I don't I think, know, Josh, what do you think we do? I don't know. I mean, I think I would push back on you a little bit in this area yeah. because, and I think you would admit this in the tribe that you're in independent Baptist, yeah. um, you know, you have, you have stronger than denominational relationships. You mm. have, familial relationships you have that's a good point um a lot of relationships that may i think maybe some people would say are well of course you can sit back and not worry about this if i don't play this game and i think that's what a lot of people it it becomes politics you know if i don't play this then i don't get the friend part of it if i don't conform i'm not invited to the meetings and i know some guys that are like man i know a handful of guys that just they want to be the such and such president. They want to be yeah. on yeah. the panel. But that's not the large amount of them. I know some other guys that just want to be included. And yeah. it's just a deep desire to have the friendships there. And so, yeah. what would you say on that to that guy yeah. when he's so, like, I can't ignore it. I got to conform or I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So, a couple of things. Number one, real friends are real friends regardless. If mm. somebody's not your friend because you believe differently or say something differently than them, then they're not your friend. Here's mm-hmm. the reality, Josh. Um, you mentioned Josh Ermler, my buddy. If I walked away from God, I'm not talking about change my theology. If I ran from God, God forbid, mm-hmm. left my wife and children, Josh Ermler would still be my friend. Mm-hmm. He would reach out to me. He would call me. He would say, hey, man, if you're ever in Fresno, let's go to dinner. He would f- probably fly out to see me. And he would love me and talk with me. And obviously, he would try to pull me back to Christ for my own sake. But our relationship is not just based upon what he can do for me or what I can do for him. Wow! And that's the problem is sometimes I think we look at um, ministerial relationships that are not real friendships. And we treat them as real friendships when, in fact, they're just ministerial relationships. And I, and, and I, you see pastors hurt all the time. Um, if, if you're a friend, you're a friend. Mm-hmm. If you're a, uh, in Australia, as they would say, I have a good buddy who pastors there. Um, he doesn't understand the American concept of friendship because he says, when you're a mate, you're a mate. Nothing changes that regardless. And I think that is important, number one, because I think as Americans, we use each other so often and we call it friendship, but really it's a business partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would say that first. And I, that sound, might sound extremely cynical, but I, I do think that there's there needs to be a distinction on our own minds. The second thing is, I think, how can you stay within, within a, a, a tribe? And I, I think you just don't play the game. I tried to for years. Um, I, I tried to, well, you know, if I, if, I, if I say this or if I express my opinion on that, then I won't be invited to this place or that place. And mm-hmm. sure enough, um, that's exactly what happens. If you express what you do independently in your local congregation, or if you say, yeah, I just don't see that uh, minor theological view exactly the same way you do, it will cost you. But my point being, it won't cost you real friendships. It'll cost you ministry partnerships. And in that case, that's tough depending on how autonomous your ministry is. So if you're a church planter, you're an evangelist, you're a missionary, it's a very difficult place if your ministry is reliant upon the gifts of a denominational structure. Mm. Um, That's where it really, I think, is hard. But if you're autonomous and your local ministries are self-supporting, then I think the answer is we could talk about the other but I think the answer is if you're autonomous and self-supporting, I think the answer is why do you need those relationships? Why don't you just hold to the methodological positions, philosophical and theological positions you believe God has called you to? You just have mm. to be bold. Right. Do you think that do you think that the majority of the time this distinction happens over theology or methodology? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, it depends on which group I think you're in, but I would say um I think like Tim Keller talks about that our, our theology is, um, what does he talk about in Center Church? He says our theology is kind of our, our uh, hardware and mm-hmm. uh, our methodology is our uh, software and our middleware is our philosophy. So I think our theology does inform our philosophy of ministry. And I think our philosophy of ministry then obviously informs our methodology. So I, 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 that sounds like a bunch of jargon to simply say this. I think it's all of the above. I think um, I think people will fight over all sorts of things. In the circles that I come from, um, people are extremely. You gotta mute your phone, dude. Yeah, do you hear that? I'm sorry, man. I'm <laughs> also, you can't you can't quote Keller because he's not in our tribe, so <laughs> he's ignored. <laughs> Keller's out. So we, Keller's out. Wow, man, that's rough. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure who else I can quote then. No, just oh, man. I love Keller. Sorry. Sorry about that phone call there coming in. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know where I was, where I left off, but I think. Um, oh, I know. Well, we we're just saying. talking about methodology or theology. Which one is more? I, I find that a lot of this, to be honest with you, uh, is methodology. I think that there's a more passionate fight over the way we do things. It's got to be this certain way. You yeah. know, uh, we yeah. have a giant joke here on my staff. We talk about uh, our. Oh man, I just went blank. Our sissy pants, um, because it's just kind of a sissy britches. It's it's kind of this way that people of a different methodology refer to jeans that aren't you know super baggy. Just anything that's not super baggy oh. or cargo <laughs> skinny jeans. Skinny so they've dude. got sissy britches on. Um, that's so hilarious. We just kind of joke about it. And our college minister, no, 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 no. Our ministries pastor the other day tweeted out on Sunday mornings, like, it's about to get real in here. Josh King has a sissy britches on. So it's just one of these jokes because it's about, that has nothing to do with really anything that matters. That's a great point. Whether or not your pants are tight or not, it just doesn't matter. 
So yeah, no, it's an absolutely great point. So I mean, even within our local context, we've had people that have been upset with our church because our music was too loud, or they would prefer me to be in a suit and tie. Um, mm-hmm. But none of this, none of this matters. In my opinion, it matters so much less denominationally or whatever your tribe would say than what is effective in your local congregation. And when I say effective, I'm not talking about pragmatism to build the church numerically. I'm talking about genuinely caring about the people and building them spiritually. And so if if you if I we've made the decision if within our local context I can help these people grow spiritually by making this methodological shift, I could care less as what it does to my um, quote unquote influence. Now see that's the thing that drives me nuts, man. Talk about things that drive me nuts. Um I had heard over and over and over in my life um this concept from from dear people. They'll say, you know, you have to be careful to steward your influence, Mm. which is code for you got to do what you got to do politically so that you can keep a big shot name. Wow. And I think that is absolutely bunk. I don't think that's how the spirit of God works. I don't think that's how the family of God works. I think what you got to do is believe what you believe, study the word of God, walk with Christ and let the chips fall where they lay. I don't think you are the master of holding influence. I think what God does is God gives influence to those he wants influence to have. Uh, to have influence. I think God has the kings rise and fall, as they say. And uh, and as he does, he does that for his specific reasons. Um, so I, I grow weary. The reason I get frustrated with this is because I was there for a while. Um, and that is trying to hold on to some kind of a reputation when in reality, the Lord is pleased with me. My local congregation is where it needs to be. And then what I've noticed is influence is given to those um, by God whom he wants to have influence. And um, otherwise I think it's a mess. Yeah. I think there's two shifts going on and maybe this is a whole nother show, but this whole, the way denominations or the big tribes, whatever you want to break them up apart with, they had a lot to do with finances. They had a lot to do with resources yeah. and there is a rebirthing of this relationship. Um, uh, I don't know that it's destroying denominations. Those are still existent, but there are these new things rising, which are more relationally based. And so, um, we get together because we get along, we like one another, um, we have commonalities, there's like an actual relationship. So out of that relationship, we then do mission or ministry together. Yeah, I, I think like it does lead to a weakening of theology. Um, so you have to be mindful of it. I don't mm-hmm. think it inherently does. It just could. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then what you were talking about with influence. I'm with you, man. I mean, I could care less. I don't, I have no desire to preach to preachers. So that if, if somebody (laughs) wants me to, um, you know, panel something, I'm good with that. I'll preach to my church, but the, um, influence used to be top down. And so, you know, the, the big office would invite you to stand behind the big pulpit and, and Herald or whatever. Now it's different. Our world yeah. is different. Social media changes things. Relationships are changed. Relationships happen very quickly. I have regular conversations with guys that I've never been in the same room with. And yeah. we're doing ministry together because we have a relationship together. So yeah. it's a different world now. And for one I'm excited about, which I think is somewhat what's happening with Idea Network and other similar sort of, it's not yeah. even trying to destroy anything. It's trying to just connect guys and ladies and ministers and um, to doing ministry effectively. 
No, you're, I, I'm in agreement. Idea Network is just that. Like I said, it's a network of a network that creates venues to share ideas. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like you mentioned, online, and then others that are uh, real-world venues. We have what's called Idea Nights, Idea Days, Idea Summits. Those are different venues, or or what traditionally would be called conferences, where fo- the most of the focus is in roundtable discussion formats solely for the purpose of discussing uh, quite a bit of methodological construct uh, concepts, ideas, some philosophical, some theological, but for the idea of building relationships, building a network of friends so that we can say, hey, here's an idea I've been tossing around in my own mind. I'm thinking about implementing it. What do you guys think? And man, that is just so much, not just fun, um, but it is, it is incredibly helpful. Um, at least it's been for our church. No, I can see that. And even just gleaning from the outside, I have not yet been to one of these events. I can see all of the uh, the enjoyment of just working alongside one another and the ideas that come out of uh, those groups. I'm regular. I, before we started recording, I threw in um, just a topic into one of those groups or, you know, I did network on Facebook to get some feedback because they're just incredibly helpful. So I want to encourage everybody to check that out. What is the website, uh, the main website for I did network? The main website is ideanetwork.church. Perfect. And on there, is do y'all have links to Revitalize 2020 on there? There should be a link to Revitalize 2020, but that is the next major event that we have going on. Um, it's in Bradenton, Florida, obviously with your buddy Sam. Um, right. And that's going to be that's going to be quite an event. Um, we're excited about getting down there. It's going to be. Uh, just everyone nationally coming in from all over the country, even internationally, some people coming in. Um, but, uh, if you've never experienced an idea network event, an idea day, idea night, I would uh, highly encourage you to come out in April. Now it's right after Easter, which you're going to need a break anyway, Mm -hmm. um, April 20th and 21st. And the nice thing is it's only about 45 minutes from Orlando. So you can go check out Mickey Mouse while you're there. Perfect. Some of the most beautiful beaches, as Sam tells us all the time, as we're in our offices and he's on the sand. Uh, You want to check that out. And it goes right with this episode, man. So many people from different tribes coming together just to help one another, help revitalize churches and strengthen the churches that are there. Uh, The cost, all the information is right there at revitalizednetwork.org slash revitalize2020 or just go to revitalizednetwork.org and you'll you'll see the link there. Uh, Before I kind of let you go, Josh, I want to remind our listeners about Church Initiatives, 13-week video-based support uh, groups, divorce care, and grief share. Uh, the cool thing about it is that y- you, I know you're a busy leader. You don't have to lead these things on your own. Church initiatives will take care of all of the uh, training, training your leader, facilitating the groups, those sort of things. Just partner with them by going to churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. Josh, how can those listening connect more with you personally if they want to kind of follow along with some of your ideas and, you know, make friends with somebody outside of their tribe? Yeah, man. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. Uh, MySpace, I'm at, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. It's all under Josh Tice, at Josh Tice is where I find Man, it. I really wanted to make an independent Baptist joke, but uh, we're just going to leave it there. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to awesome. ES2. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll catch you next week. Peace. 
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.